You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. He's always been an in-your-face kind of coach, I would say, and he tries to get the most out of you. But uh, I think from the beginning of his coaching to when he ended, he probably learned how to separate different players from how he coaches them or how he yells at them or how he tries to get the best out of them. That's coming up on this episode. Now, I use this podcast to give free advertising to charities. So to hear about a great nonprofit you can support, stay tuned to the end of this episode. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Today, I am joined by former Oregon State two-sport athlete, Brett Casey. He is a Corvallis native. No surprise there. His father, Pat Casey, taking the job in 1995 when Brett was a youngster. Brett first played Oregon State basketball. was the first program he got some playing time. Started a few games as a true freshman in the J. John era 2005, 2006, then he ended up lettering on the OSU baseball team from 2007 to 2009, playing a few years for his own father. Brett is still based in Corvallis. He's in the real estate game. He'll explain a little bit about what that looks like these days, and he's got a growing family. He has two kids now. His youngest, a somewhat newborn daughter, was on his lap for the first part of this interview, and so it was fun to see one of the newest members of Beaver Nation and the Casey family. I was excited to talk to Brett in part because of the Beaver Baseball documentary I'm producing. So we'll talk some about Pat and other things about 2018, even though he wasn't on that team. Uh, some of the things he'll say will still be related in what he knows about Pat and other things behind the scenes. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brett Casey. It's awesome to see a little bit of your family. Got your daughter there with you. What, what, you have Carter as your son, and then what's your daughter's name? Sutton. Sutton. Awesome. How'd you come up with Carter and Sutton as the two uh, names? I just liked Carter, so and Jamie liked it too. And then, I don't know, Jamie watched some show with a girl's name was Sutton, and she's never really heard it before. So she's like, I really like that. <laughs> so we went with it. Yeah. A growing family is, is a fun time to have. And what's that been like for you to have some young kids and see the, see the family grow a little bit? Uh, it's fun. It's definitely makes you tired. And uh, there's some, there's some tough, tough times, but no, it's, it's pretty fun. They make you, they make you stay on your feet. That's what they do. Huh? <laughs> yep. So no, it's been fun. That's good. It's, it's nice to have grandparents not too far away. So Right. Can always help out but they're out of town today so <laughs> how how has pat i don't i don't know if i should say changed as a grandfather but but once he became a grandpa what 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 was that experience like from your perspective seeing him in a new role uh it was funny um a little bit um no he it, it definitely soft, softened him up a little bit i think yeah um but yeah he loves him he comes over all the time and plays with him so i think it's it's a good thing for him, you know, makes him a little more mellow, even though he has mellowed out anyway in the last probably decade. But I think it, it Susan likes it because, you know, keeps uh, keeps Pat off her off her. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know you met Jamie and I'm sure it's somehow related to Oregon State being from some OSU families. But how exactly did you first cross paths and and start dating? 
Oh, with Jamie, we, well, her dad's Mark Banker, so he's been with Mike Riley forever. Um, so I think it was fifth, fifth or sixth grade. She went, yeah, fifth grade. She was at Hoover with me. So we knew, I mean, we didn't, you know, fifth grade, I knew who she was, but I didn't obviously know, know her very well. But, um, and then she moved to San Diego in middle school. And then she moved back her, the end of her junior year of high school. And we just met in high school and we started dating our senior years and then it was a little off and on in college. And then, <laughs> and then I wrapped, I wrapped it up and I, <laughs> yeah, it's, we've been pretty much together for a long time, a long time, about wow. 15 years. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, what is life? We've talked family a little bit. What does life look day to day? Like for you career wise and what you're doing with the Zaners company, what does that look like for you? Um, no, just real estate. It's actually, it's funny because a lot of people, you know, with the pandemic going on, I've lost jobs and stuff, but I've probably, I'm busier than I ever have been, um, which is nice. Um, you know, interest rates are super low. So yeah, I'm just selling homes, mainly working from home. It's nice because Jamie gets to work a couple times a week and I just stay home with the kids and or Carter now goes to daycare a couple days a week. But um, yeah, that's kind of the daily life trying to sell some homes and take care of the kids. Yeah. When you finished your OSU career, when that, when that day finished, graduated, athletic careers all done, what did you imagine the next decade would kind of look like? Your plans and expectations and hopes, what, what was your kind of thoughts at that point? I didn't really know what I was going to do, to tell you the <laughs> truth. But it's just been sports my whole life. Um, so, you know, I got a job at T-Mobile right after college, kind of did that for the next four to five years. And, you know, I just, I don't know, I always thought about getting into coaching, doing, I, I, you know, working in sports, something like that, but never really kind of came to fruition for fruition. I, I've, I've coached uh, eight or uh, the future Raiders basketball middle school team. I did that for about five years um, with a high school friend of mine, buddy of mine. So that's been fun, but you know, I don't, I didn't really know what I was going to do after college. That's the thing. Cause I always thought I'd be playing sports and obviously it doesn't always work out like that. So, um, but I like how it's been. It's, I, I like Corvallis. I like that. I, I've got to stay in Corvallis and raise a family. And now I have a decent career that's going pretty well. So. Yeah. You're telling me you don't play sports until you're 70. Is that not how life works? Well, I still play basketball. I, you know. <laughs> that's good. So we still run the Timberhill courts. There you go. You still got a jump it's, it's shot getting, and get buckets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's getting a little slower though. My body's taking taking hits. So. <laughs> Your OSU athletic career was pretty interesting. Two sports, the basketball thing kind of jumped off where you thought you were going to redshirt and then you found yourself starting a few games and then baseball, I think you lettered 07 to 09. So some years on both. How would you kind of characterize how that went, the good and the bad, like when you look back and kind of characterize, summarize your OSU athletic career, what, what kind of comes to mind most? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, the first year was definitely weird. I came in, you know, expecting to redshirt in basketball, like you said. Um, Josh Tarver broke his foot before the season started, so they ended up not redshirting me. And then Lamar Hurd, who was our starting point guard, got hurt. I think the first or second game of Pac-10 season, I think it was only, yeah, Pac-10 back then, right? Um, and so, yeah, I just got thrown into the fire and actually started three games, I believe. Um, and then that kind of, 
obviously put me on the shelf for baseball because I didn't start that season until they probably had already played 10 or 15 games. So, um, and obviously the team being really good, there was no point to doing anything but redshirt. So redshirted in 06 for baseball. And then, yeah, it went, it went basketball to baseball to summer baseball, back to conditioning for basketball in the summer after summer baseball. And at that time, I was just kind of burnt out. It was, I literally probably didn't have a day off for over a year. So I just thought, you know, baseball team's pretty dang good. I probably have a better future in baseball being a six-foot white guy. Um, <laughs> so I decided to – and then Jay John, I know, it was kind of a rough thing. He, you know, he told me, oh, you're going to get a scholarship, da-da-da-da, and then that never happened, so – that wasn't exactly, or that didn't exactly excite me to come back and play for him. So um, I decided to stick with baseball and hey, I, got, I got two rings out of the deal. So, you know, <laughs> it all worked out. It's, it's like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I am where I am now. So when I was talking with your brother, Joe, um, for this, the documentary I'm working on, one of the things that he brought up with something your dad would would tell him and I'm guessing he you know had similar conversations with you even before he ever came to OSU is just something that Pat would talk about coming back home when Joe was in middle school and high school was he noticed how Pat had changed as a coach especially coaching guys who weren't like him players who didn't have the same disposition same demeanor as him that that he coached those guys differently and learned how to coach them more effectively as his career went on was that something that you remember Pat talking about you learning from him? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of coaches kind of change as they go on, which is kind of what you have to do. You have to change. I mean, things change. Um, the way people coach now is different. You know, there's a lot of things you can't do now that you could do back then. But yeah, I mean, it was. He always obviously talks about how you know how coaching me, you know, kind of. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but he wasn't happy with the way things happened or some things happened, I guess. And I think that changed a lot the way he coached Joe. Cause I know Joe, he didn't even want Joe to go to OSU because he just, you know, he was like, I don't want that. What I did with Brett happened to Joe, but I think it was probably what, 10 years later. So he's probably at that point, I think he realized, okay, I think I can, I can coach him because I've changed over those that past 10 years. And yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely guys that, you can coach differently than other guys. And I think he learned to, at the beginning of his career, I'd say he, he just had one way of coaching. And then as it went on, yeah, he figured out how to coach different styles and different people. What would Pat have done before or, or not done before that he, he wouldn't do? Like you said, you can't do the things you used to do. What, what did Pat change? Oh, I mean, I've heard crazy stories, man. So I heard a, an earring story there. Some guy had an earring back in, I don't know, the, late 90s or something on one of his teams and he practically ripped it out and told the I mean I don't know if he actually ripped it out but that was a story that I heard um because he wasn't any earring guy and I mean that's kind of just one thing like you do that today geez you might be probably gonna get fired <laughs> um but yeah just just pretty much you know yelling at guys I mean you can yell but the things you just got to watch what you say and I think I don't know I think uh he's definitely he's always been a in-your-face kind of coach I would say and he tries to get the most out of you. But uh, I think from the beginning of his coaching to now, or to when he ended, he probably learned how to separate different players from how he 
coaches them or how he yells at them or how he tries to get the best out of them. So I guess that would be the biggest, I guess, change. Yeah. How do you think he would yell at someone but still get the most out of them? Some coaches can just get in your face and it just hurts you and there's no productivity out of it. They're just mean coaches. Pat yeah. is in your face, but it usually, not every story is the same, but you find a lot of the guys he gets in their face, they end up growing from it. So how did he get in your face but cause goodness from it? Yeah, I think just knowing him as a person off the field, I think, um, you know, he respects everyone and he, uh, you know, he'll, even after, you know, a practice, if he's in your face, you know, he's going to come up to you afterwards and, you know, talk to you like a, like a, like a man and not, you know, just hide from you. So I think that definitely getting the respect from the players is, he just has respect for players off the field. And so certain guys obviously, you know, love to see the passion and that's kind of how they are. And so they take it as a, you know, I'm going to screw him. I'm going to, you know, play my ass off and, and play better. So I think a lot of his players are like that. Um, and I think that's why it's, it's been such a good success over the years. So. Did you ever remember a story later on where maybe he would have been more in your face, would have been more harsh towards a player? Uh, this may have been during your player day, playing days or maybe after you had finished and then you saw him do, do something more more soft, a little more reserved, and you thought, man, Pat would have, would have done, handled that situation differently 10 years ago. Do you think of any particular instance? There's so many. I guess I could say him and Mitch always, when I was playing, they'd get into some battles pretty good. Um, but then, you know, everyone just knew after, the, after it happened, you know, they're going to still have love for each other. And, 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 you know, my dad always obviously – has the most respect for Mitch pretty much of anyone out there and the things Mitch has gone through with his family and stuff. And my dad, you know, I think just being around that, um, you know, now you see him and Mitch just love each other and, and stuff like that, I guess. I don't know. What would be the battles between Mitch Canham versus Pat Casey? Not that it's versus, you know, what, what would be those battles? <laughs> what would be the battles? Uh, just, you know, stuff in practice. I remember it would just be, you know, my dad would get after people or, or Mitch himself and Mitch would kind of, he wouldn't, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd tell you to stand up for yourself or he'd, you know, get in my dad's face a little bit. Hey, you know, take it easy. I got it. I'm, you know, I'm a leader. I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. Um, I remember one time my dad was getting after me pretty good and Mitch, Mitch came over to me. He goes, Hey, don't let him get it. Don't let him do that to you, man. You got to get back at him a little bit. <laughs> so stuff like that. I don't know. But, Did you get back at him a little bit? Oh, there was a couple times. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had some battles too. Okay. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. How'd that go? Um, <laughs> how'd that go? Not well. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I think my dad liked to see some of the fire. Baseball-wise, I was definitely less fiery than I was on the basketball court. I think it's just how the sport is. You know, on ba in the basketball court, you're always going. You're always moving. And I think it was easier for me to bring out the competitive fire in myself in basketball than it was baseball. So I think my dad would get on me on that about that a little bit. And then I, you know, a couple times, I, yeah, I answered back. And we, we had some words. We had some words. That's but, good. That's healthy. Your, your dad, of, of all people, would, whenever he talks about conflict, and I've talked with him about this, 
he, he will go on about how it, not every team, not every family should be smooth. It's it, You're not supposed to not have conflict. You oh. should get mad and pissed off at each other a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, we've had a, a lot of battles, battles back in the day, especially on the basketball court. We, you know, when my dad was actually able to play, uh, I remember me and my buddy, we'd always play, you know, a little, it was called, I forget what it was called, but it was like a, it was like a two on one or a one on two game. And we would just go at it day after day on the basketball court. And, you know, my dad would get pissed if we beat him and I'd get pissed if he beat me. So, you know, it was good though. It was good. He's the one I'm guessing in that you and your buddy against him, right? Well, it would be uh, the offense player against the two defense player. And then okay. you, you know, if you get the ball, you're going against the next two guys. So I got you. Kind of like 21 a little bit. Yeah. I also really enjoyed what your dad, he talks a lot about Jonathan and just, I mean, his whole family, he has a ton of love for his family. And we talked about Jonathan in particular. How would you describe your older brother as, as a person, as a baseball fan, as a, almost like a teammate, even though he's not technically, you know, doesn't have a glove and out there, but just so beloved among, among the team and the players. How would you describe your older brother? Yeah, he's the, he's the number one fan. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport either. Girls basketball, men's basketball, uh, football, you know, you name it. He's the number one fan, and everyone in this town knows him, um, and uh, everyone loves him. And I think he's definitely uh, – he's changed my dad. He's changed my grandpa for sure. My grandpa um, was a big – he's kind of like my dad, but even – he was, you know, a, a tough guy to be around um, a lot of the time. And – John, he just seen John grow up, I think has changed him and made him put life in perspective um, because, you know, John doesn't have the abilities that everyone has, but he gets the most out of what he has for sure. And, you know, he's, he's the friendliest guy out there and he knows everyone by name. He always, you know, anyone walks by, hey. Um, but yeah, John is just the number one fan and he's pretty much the, the mayor of this town, I guess, right? <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's great. I love him. And He's always walking over to my house and playing with the kids and stuff. So it's great. Yeah, I'd vote for him for mayor if, yeah. if I had that shot. I'd like for that. Sure. <laughs> um, you, Pat even mentioned this. He said Jonathan helped him be a better coach. And you even just kind of alluded to that a little bit. How would you say specifically that your dad was changed as a person and as a coach by Jonathan? Yeah, I think um, kind of like I said, he doesn't have the abilities that everyone has, obviously. Um, and I think that, you know, my dad can speak to that to the players and say, look at the people out there, not just John, but that don't have certain abilities, but, um, you know, do get, get the most out of their talent, right? And, and do stuff that people never thought anyone could do. And I think that's kind of a way he's been able to coach and tell, you know, get his story across to the players. And I think that's really all the players kind of bought into that. And, you know, once you hear something like that, it kind of makes you just want to want to do the best you can. And I think you got you got that through to a lot of players for sure. Do you think Jonathan played a role in Pat? Like we talked about how he helped learn how to coach guys who weren't like him, weren't fiery like him. Do you think Jonathan played a role in that process for Pat? Yeah, I could see a little bit. Um, definitely, because. John's not someone you can really, you know, get after that much because, you know, so I think, yeah, he's probably over the years, you know, as John's gotten older and um, my dad's learned how to deal with him, um, you know, in certain ways. And then that I think transfers over to yeah, players being able to, okay, this guy, 
you know, I have to take a little, little lighter, a little, be a little more mellow with them. Um, and I think he can do that because he's done that with John, I would say. Yeah. Joe shared a funny story of John uh, walking into the outfield in Omaha in 2018 and kind of getting into it with some Arkansas fans out there. He's oh, just, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, John is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he, he wanted to, he wanted to go over there and start, you know, getting a little, getting in the brawls that were happening, but <laughs> He's not, he's not a happy camper when, when his team's losing. You know, he's a big Blazer guy, and um, he's got a bunch of friends that are Lakers, and they always, you know, now that this year, of course, they're, you know, talking smack to him, saying the Blazers lost, Lakers are going to win the title, and he gets fired up. He wants to go and fight you right away. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he will he'll get feisty if his team, if he feels like he needs to stick up for his team, for sure. <laughs> did you go out to Omaha in 2018, or did you watch on TV? Um, so I, I, I went out for the finals. So once it was funny, I booked a plane ticket, uh, in the middle of the game of Mississippi state and the ninth inning happened and I go, Oh my gosh, do not do this to me. Um, and then, you know, luckily we ended up winning. So I got to fly out there for the finals. Um, and it's, there was actually a very funny story. Um, the, the second game, obviously we were down in the, what was it? Eighth. Yeah. And me and my sister, I was like, I can't take this. I don't want to see Arkansas celebrate a national championship. So me and my sister start walking back to the hotel in the eighth inning. And I go, well, whenever I turn on Mike Parker, stuff seems to happen. So I turn on Mike Parker on my phone while we're walking back to the hotel. And I hear the first guy get on. Um, and then he bunted, got bunted over. And then we're, we're walking up to the hotel room. I turn on the TV. The second I turn on the TV, Caden Grenier hits the pop-up and I go, no. And then it fell. And then I go, I looked at my sister. I go, oh, baseball gods, he's going to get a hit. Sure enough, he gets a hit. So I'm, me and Ellie are running down the hallways of the hotel just screaming. like, <laughs> And we're like, we are so stupid. Why did we ever leave this game? But hey, maybe maybe we needed to leave for that, that to happen. So. You and Mike Parker, that's, that's what made the whole thing work. It is. Mike, I, I'm telling you, every time I turn him on, it just good stuff happens. So. <laughs> and then Joe, in the bottom of that ninth inning, had to go out and play center field because the game wasn't over yet. But he did. And I, I was sweating. I was like, please don't mess it up, Joe. Please don't mess it up. No, I knew he was – my dad had confidence in him. To, he, he was going to make a play if he needed to make a play. But, but yeah, I was definitely nervous for sure. Um, thanks so much for talking, Brad. If people want to look you up or they're looking into buying a home, how do they find you and, and learn a little bit more? Yeah, well, I don't do much of, you know, marketing. I kind of just, it's kind of all referrals and, yeah. you know, Scott, Scott and I kind of know a lot of people in this town. So that's kind of how it is. But yeah, if you, if you need help, look me up, brett.casey14 at gmail is my email and, or Scott, get, get with Scott Sanders and yeah, we'll, We'll get it done for you. But yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brett Casey. Fun to get multiple perspectives from the Casey family. Talked recently with Joe and with Pat as I'm working on this documentary on the 2018 baseball team. And I'll definitely use some of what Brett shared about his own father, even though he wasn't on the 2018 team. Still definitely some applicable stories and uh, related points, not to mention memories of being there in Omaha. Hey, before you go, one last thing is I'd like to mention a charity I'm featuring on this podcast. Convoy of Hope does amazing work in disaster relief, as well as empowering people throughout America and beyond doing amazing work 
helping people in poverty and other situations that need extra help. So check out what Convoy of Hope is doing. A great place to donate a little extra money if that's within your budget. I'll put a link to their website in the description. Also check out there the Beaver Tales documentaries, the website, and subscribe there if you sign up for the email list. You can also email me, give me any feedback, or suggest a guest, suggest a question, ask somebody, whatever it may be. So check that out in the description for this episode. This has been another episode of the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. Until next time, good night and go Beavs.